You're listening to the latest Sunday edition of ATR Radio. It's October 25th, 2015. I'm Nicole Bennett. Today's episode, international sports leaders embrace a new era for the Olympic movement as the Rio Games inch closer and closer. Steve Penny, president of USA Gymnastics, tells Around the Rings that the World Artistic Gymnastics Championships will be a coming out party for the sport's next star. The event marks the first of two opportunities for gymnasts to advance to Rio 2016. The top eight teams will qualify for the Olympics. Additionally, any individual event medalists who are not on a qualifying team for the Olympics or Olympic test event will book a ticket to Rio. The second opportunity for teams to qualify for the Rio Games is the Olympic test event where four more teams will earn berths at the Olympics. Penny weighed in on the road to Rio 2016, the World Artistic Gymnastics Championships, and even Tokyo 2020's proposed additional events. This year, the World Artistic Gymnastics Championships double as a qualifier for the Rio Olympics. Does this affect competition? Does this put a different kind of pressure on athletes or even organizers of the event? Well, I think there's always a lot more attention given to the event when it's the year before the Olympic Games. uh, And obviously, this is a qualifier for the Olympic Games. The pressure is no different, in my opinion, than any other year, uh, except for the countries that might be Uh, around the bubble. So obviously, you know, if you're trying to be one of the top 12 countries, you've got to be very prepared coming into this event. And if you typically float around the bottom tier of that that group, then this is an extremely important year. Uh, There's also, you know, there's always pressure when you're competing at a world championship event. That never changes. Uh, In the year before the Olympic Games, this is an important competition for the athletes in our sport because it really does start to set the bar of what you can expect to see in Rio. So, you know, a lot of impressions are made and because our sport involves a lot of the younger female athletes, especially this year before the games could be a coming out party for a lot of the the young ladies that you will see in Rio. So it's a chance for them to make a, a, a really good first impression. If you remember back in 2011, it was Gabby Douglas's first world championships and she competed on bars for us in Tokyo and that was her big coming out party and then the rest is history. So the, the world championships for gymnastics the year before the Olympic Games is an extremely important competition for all of us and especially for, for those countries that you know, are really trying to qualify for the Games. So this is huge. And then aside from the championships, which, which end uh, November 1st, what's next on the, the road to Rio for, for U.S. gymnasts? Well, we're very excited about the year that lies ahead. Um, you know, we've had a great run of success uh, over the last 15 years, and we're expecting for that to continue as much as possible. The hardest thing is to make sure that you continue to do everything at the highest possible level, and that's what we're prepared to do through the Rio Olympic Games. Um, you know, one of the big things for us is we want to celebrate the success that we've had over the last 15 years, and we're really looking forward to doing a few things in the year of the Games to, to, to celebrate that success. Um, it, it's just a big year. I mean, anytime you have a, an Olympic year, you just, A, you never know what's going to happen because something always does. So you have to be prepared for just about anything. And you know, But it is an opportunity for you to really celebrate your sport, and and take it to the highest level. I mean, this is the time 
when we're the most relevant. And for all Olympic sports, you know, you just have to be ready to uh, to celebrate that and, and make the most of it because the Olympic year only comes around once every four years. So you have to be prepared. You hope for the best, plan for the worst. Do you have any concerns about Rio or, or venue construction or anything like that? I was in Rio uh, earlier this year, and, um, you know, our venue has been ready for quite a while. We competed in the same building back at the 2007 Pan American Games. I think the preparations for the games are, are going along pretty well, uh, and I think especially the Olympic Park and the Village are going to be quite adequate for uh, the games and the athletes and the competitions. Uh, you know, I know that those are under a lot of scrutiny. Um, I think that the venues outside the park and those that involve more of the natural environment are ones that, you know, people are probably a little more concerned about than we are. Um, I don't have any big concerns about uh, what's going to happen for gymnastics at the Olympic Games. And while I, while I have you, I've, I've just been taking the opportunity when I speak with heads of different federations and asking them, Tokyo 2020 has proposed 18 additional events in five sports, which I think is the biggest for a modern Olympic Games. Does this signal a new era for the Olympic Games from your perspective? I think it's pretty exciting to see what Tokyo is doing. I mean, I, I think we are in a new modern era of the Olympic Games, and I think that it's important that the IOC take a look at you know, what sports should be on the program and what sports should be included. And I kind of find it compelling that the organizing committee is helping to push the bar on, you know, inclusion of, of different sports and new events. I think it's good for the Olympic movement to be big and, and to be broader and to make sure that it's relevant uh, day in and day out. And there's some sports and events that have been on the program for a long, long time that are not nearly a part of the mainstream of what we do anymore in our sports society. And I think we have to take a real close look at what those are and their inclusion in the games. At the same time, you know, the Olympics is all about tradition. So I'd hate to lose sports that, that mean so much to the Olympics and where the Olympics mean so much to them. Sport culture is unique throughout the world. And I think that one of the great things about the Olympic Games is that it celebrates our own unique sport cultures as well as the global sport culture. And that's something that I think we really need to, to get our arms around as to why the Olympics are important, because sport is so important, and it plays such an important role in every country in, in, in so many different ways. So, you know, the Olympics is all about celebrating that, and so I'm all in for whatever a, a city or a local organizing committee can, feels it can embrace, then why not embrace it? And so I think it's exciting to see that there's other sports and maybe some returning sports and events that, that have a shot at being included on the Olympic program in 2020. Competition at the 2015 World Artistic Gymnastics Championships ends on November 1st. In other news, the organization representing Olympic athletes from past games is trying to be a bigger player in the Olympic movement. The World Olympians Association wrapped up its latest General Assembly last week where steps were taken to make the organization run on a professional level without the financial stress of years gone by. Meeting in Moscow, the WOA adopted a new constitution that will put it in line with IOC governance standards. The changes are a prelude to the IOC becoming more involved in the organization. Along with the Constitution, the association delegates from more than 100 countries voted in the leadership for the next four years. 
On Wednesday in Moscow at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel near Red Square, the WOA held an inaugural forum meant to help the grassroots of the organization become more active and effective. Russian President Vladimir Putin put in an appearance and short speech. Around the Rings editor Ed Hula was a panelist for one of the sessions and spoke with me on Wednesday following the WOA assembly. What could you tell us in terms of some background on this organization? How did it start, and, and what are some of the problems that WOA has faced? Well, it's supposed to represent the 100,000 or so uh, still-living Olympians, the ones who've competed in past games, as well as, I guess, the ones who'll be coming up in Rio. And it is an organization supposed to support and help these Olympians at all stages of their life after their careers, whether it's career counseling, uh, uh, medical advice information. Um, it allows Olympians to be participating in community activities to inspire young people to, to take part in sport. Just a whole range of things. It's very, very broad kind of mandate, but that's uh, that's a group of Olympians in the in the 80s and 90s got together and said, we'd like to have a group like this. And it was formally adopted by the IOC in only 1996 and has kind of grown in fits and starts since then. Um, it's, it's an organization that has not had professional staffing, did not have professional staffing for some time. Um, it's difficult to represent 100,000 people on a rather limited budget, and they did run into some inertia with just getting things done. I mean, you just don't have the people, the time, on a volunteer basis to devote to such a, a big cause like the World Olympians. And the uh, group found its money uh, frozen, its accounts frozen by the IOC uh, in, oh, I think 2011, 2012, somewhere like that. Um, and they've finally been able to restore their IOC funding and uh, have gotten themselves on a much more straight and narrow path to the future, I believe. The inaugural forum took place on Wednesday, the inaugural World Olympians Forum, that is. What was that all about? And it's, a, it's an attempt by the WOA to do something more in particular than just have elections every four years. That's kind of when people started paying attention to the WOA every four years, when it came time to pick a, a president and other members of the, of the leadership. And this is a, a way for the WOA to get involved in an activity that brings people together to talk about what they're doing in Africa or the Caribbean or the United States or, or Europe, what programs are working, how they're working in the community. Uh, and issues such as closing the gender gap, for example, was one of the topics covered. Building your National Olympics Association, another uh, topic covered in a, in a workshop. Um, I participated in a program and a panel on Olympians Inspire with uh, swimmer Gary Hall Sr., James Edwards from the Australian Olympic Committee, and uh, WOA President Joel Bougeot in which we you know, talked about how uh, athletes play a role in making people pay attention to what, what they're doing and provide some inspiration to young people, as well as the, the, the breathtaking change that's uh, taking place 
in the media world uh, and, you know, how it's really hard to tap into that uh, and, and get the attention of young people through everything. Today was the General Assembly in every four years event. Is this important for the WOA? Well, as uh, Joel Bougeau was complaining yesterday in a roundtable with some reporters that we used to be famous or known just for our elections every four years, that's what we live to do at the WOA. Uh, well, today was their day for elections, as it were. Not particularly uh, dramatic. Uh, Joel Bougeau was reelected as president of the WOA, his second term in that in that in that posting. Uh, he is a former champion in modern pentathlon, a, a, a Frenchman, and uh, very close to Prince Albert of Monaco, who is the uh, patron now of the World Olympians Association. Um, uh, he was reelected without opposition, as were some other members of the uh, executive board there. Um, a bit of an erratic election process using, believe it or not, electronic ballot boxes. But what should have been a pretty straightforward and smooth process was uh, somewhat ran in fits and starts and had to start all over again and do this and do that and collect all the boxes and pass them out once again. Kind of a, uh, kind of a messy situation, but it all got done in the end and everybody seemed happy with the overall results. Uh, three women winning, winning seats on the executive board and, and one man. So certainly, a uh, I think greater attention towards, uh, towards gender equity here at the World Olympians Association. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's all part of the, the changes they're going through to make themselves a more modern organization. And is everyone happy about the direction the WA is headed in? I know they're, they're preaching or at least talking about closer ties with the IOC. What, is, what does that mean? Well, that is to be, I guess, determined in the years and months and years ahead here. Three staff members from the International Olympic Committee will be assigned to a role administering the IOA working uh, WOA working with the organization, and that starts, uh, I think, effectively early 2016, early next year, and that will free the WOA of some of the cumbersome administrative duties that they 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 might have to face. Uh, gives them resources to devote to doing their good works and not so much to bookkeeping and taking care of uh, governance issues um, and, and things like that. Um, they've put them in line with the uh, IOC policies. So uh, I think the IOC is going to be exercising a little bit more control and guidance for the World Olympians Association because the Olympians are a very important representative, not just of an organization like the WOA, but they're representative of the Olympic movement. They're a resource, a, a treasure, and the IOC wants to make the most of, of, of that asset for sure. So they're interested in, in spending more attention, spending more time uh, developing the WOA, and uh, we'll see how that goes. The WOA wants to be autonomous as much as they can, as well as embracing aspects of the IOC. And, uh, and what it means, we'll, like I say, we'll see 
as this relationship unfolds here in the future. Looking ahead, over 1,200 of the world's Olympic leaders are in D.C. this week for the 20th ANOC General Assembly. Local hosts tell ATR that they want attendees to see Washington, D.C. in a new light. Bob Sweeney, president of the local host committee, spoke with me on Tuesday of last week and expressed high hopes for the assembly. Well, D.C. is the nation's capital, some would argue the world capital, um, and it is um, a huge opportunity for D.C. to host an event that is in this industry. D.C. gets lots of major events every year, um, whether it's the U.N. or the, you know, the World Bank or you know, leadership from around the world, governmental leadership from the, around the world comes to Washington every single day. What doesn't happen? is that this whole segment of the world, and we believe that sports are a critical part of any infrastructure, does not come to Washington, D.C. And, um, and so this is an opportunity to, to really get them to understand that Washington is not just what they see on CNN every night and that we are a real place and that we um, love our sports and that we can make a difference in the world through sports. And that is really our mission, is to get them to kind of see the other Washington. Not the Washington everybody hates, but the Washington that we all, you know, love and that we call home. So you said you've been working on this event since 2013. What have preparations been like? What have been your biggest obstacles in planning to host an event of this size? Well, as you know, this is in the world of the Olympics. This is one of the three main family members. Um, so the IOC, Sport Accord, and uh, and ANOC. And this is their General Assembly. This is uh, and because it's Washington D.C., it is attracting the leadership from all three organizations. And uh, so we're expecting over 1,200 people. And um, all of them are important in the Olympic movement. So um, it's kind of like um, hosting a state dinner without much more than just having one state. So whether the French ambassador comes, it's like having the whole country come, you know, the world come um, to dinner that night. It's more like a UN uh, kind of dinner. And um, so uh, dealing with protocol issues and making sure that we are very, very buttoned up um, and complicated by the fact that the United States has a bid city in the, um, in the bidding process right now makes it, um, makes it so that, you know, we have to abide by, you know, pro, uh, certain rules that the IOC sets forth so that there's no unfair advantage and no unfair access um, for people from L.A. or from the United States generally. The most important thing for us is that people walk away when they leave Washington, D.C., they leave with a different impression than what they have had coming in. This is a, a, um, a great place to bring events and to, and to do business. So hopefully that's what, that's what the end result is. Sunil Sabarwal, chairman of the D.C. Host Committee for the ANOC Assembly, also spoke with me on Tuesday and said this is a chance to showcase the non-political side of D.C. For D.C., this really is 
an opportunity to accomplish a couple of things. First of all, to showcase to the rest of the world that uh, Washington, D.C. is not just about uh, politics, but is much broader than that, to showcase the, the beauty of the city, the sites, the nature, the, the sports infrastructure around. So really that this is a sports town, not just a political town. That's number one. Uh, number two, insofar as uh, visiting delegates, representative of international sports federations, are interested in exploring the greater Washington area f with, a, let's say, a future world championship in mind or Grand Prix or even a conference, then, of course, this gives them an opportunity to, sh to see it, uh, uh, with their own eyes uh, what the region has to offer. So I would say those would be the two uh, um, most important aspects that are brought to uh, DC uh, by having this event here. Delegates from the IOC, the Association of National Olympic Committees, and 206 NOCs will gather in DC for this year's assembly taking place October 29th through the 30th. IOC President Thomas Bach, ANOC President Sheikh Ahmad, and IOC Executive Board Member Ganilla Lindbergh are among the roster of Olympic leaders who will all be in DC. Sweeney told ATR that working with the US Olympic Committee to prepare for the ANOC event has been a rewarding experience. Um, they've been so working with the USOC has been actually awesome, and and primarily um, you probably know all the players at the USOC, um, but primarily um, Chris Sullivan has been leading um, this effort at the USOC, and so for the I mean he's who we started talking to a year and a half ago, and pretty much uh, on a monthly basis up until about six months ago, and then a weekly basis uh, since then. Uh, we've been dealing with um, Chris and his entire team. Saberwal echoed Sweeney's sentiments. Well, I think what's uh, very important here uh, to recognize that this is really an ANOC event, right? It's their 20th General Assembly meeting. Uh, they are the key organizers of this event, and for all extent purposes, it's an ANOC event, who are, um, who have been invited by the U.S. Olympic Committee to come to our city, um, to our nation's capital. So from an organizational uh, perspective, uh, I would give uh, uh, practically all the credit to to the teams of Gunilla Lindbergh and Enoch and Chris Sullivan at the USOC for uh, what will be a great event that is going to take place in Washington next week. Both Saberwal and Sweeney also said they look forward to contributing to the Around the Rings reception being held in the backdrop of the ANOC Assembly next week on October 27th. Sweeney expressed admiration for the work Around the Rings does within the Olympic movement. To be quite honest, we want you to be successful. Um, and what Sheila does every day and the Hula family uh, does every day in supporting this movement is incredible. I know you're the foremost contributor to the dialogue uh, around the Olympic movement, and um, we just wanted to be supportive of the work you guys do. 
Saberwal told me that his work with Around the Rings represents the cohesiveness of organizations in what he calls the Olympic family. We really think of this as a one big Olympic and sports family gathering with the ultimate objective of creating a great event uh, for our guests uh, uh, coming to, uh, to our capital. And in this regard, uh, we thought that uh, the local community uh, should uh, support uh, our partners, which we, we, we consider around the rings a very important partner of ours, and they're of course a key partner of the Olympic movement, and we were uh, more than pleased to uh, incorporate whatever support we could give to, to ourselves directly and to our partners for uh, the around the rings uh, reception on, on, on Tuesday evening. Be sure to check into Around the Rings for more on the 2015 ANOC General Assembly this week. And as always, check into ATR online on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for all news related to the Olympic movement. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening.